And uh, we've been spending some time kind of dwelling on this Christmas theme over the last few Sundays, a thrill of hope. And hope is an exciting thing to have. It's a needed thing. We're, we're thankful for hope. But there are some things that can tend to get in the way of hope today. Things that can squeeze out this feeling of not just a thrill of hope, but squeeze out this feeling of just having hope in general. What are some things that can bring about that fear in our lives? That's, in fact, many parents here with kids up here. What are some things that we can fear? What are some things that kids oftentimes fear and are worried from? The dark is a good one, yeah. What else? Monsters, yeah. Did I hear spiders? Oh, that goes across the board on that one. What else can people fear? Hmm? Dogs, yeah. Who? Who's going to win the World Cup soccer? That can be a fear for some. I know the answer, and here it is. No, I won't do that. That would. And many of you are recording, I'm sure. Or no, you've already heard it already. It's already done. That's why you're here at the 11:30 service. Well done. All right. <clears throat> Good job. So, lots of. Things that can come and squeeze out our hope, many fears. And it's interesting, when we look at the, the biblical account of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, we're hit with the realization that there were many parties involved and we're dealing with fear. Now, not only was it a kind of a difficult, dark time just in the history of mankind where they had not heard from the Lord for some hundreds of years where they've been wondering, is God done with us? Has he kind of just moved on? Have we just sort of blown it so much now? There's been no prophetic voice for them. And so there's this wonder, like, is God really going to uphold his promises for us. Is God done with us or not? So it's a difficult, dark time. There's lots of different things that are happening in different people's lives and oftentimes surrounding the, the Christmas story. Think about Joseph. And he was fearful over what to do with Mary. We read in Matthew 1, verse 18 and 20. We're gonna go through many scriptures and we'll put them up on the screen for you here. Matthew 1, verse 18 and 20 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for which is conceived in hers of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can all think, Joseph, why would you ever be struggling to take Mary as your wife, right? Now, remember, they were, they were engaged, betrothed, but they had not married yet, but they were seen as married. But you see, Joseph was under a bit of pressure here. This is not the start of some toxic masculinity where he's looking to put her away. Joseph's way of dealing with this situation ultimately showed he was a righteous man, just as it said that he was a just man. In those verses we read, you see, Roman and Jewish law demanded that a man divorce his wife if she were guilty of adultery. Now, up until this point, nobody knows who the father is exactly. Joseph's got this doubt in his mind. Joseph, and also if Joseph didn't divorce her, 
then others would have thought, well, he's the one that got her pregnant, and his reputation would have been on the line as well. So Joseph is in a very precarious situation. I put him in a fearful position. That's why the angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife. So Joseph is dealing with this fear. We see Mary struck with a similar attitude of fear and apprehension at the announcement by the angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 33 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, or sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, notice this, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, what? Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now can you imagine being a young girl? Mary's not like in her 20s, you know, like we would think of a, a young, you know, pregnant, married woman. She's in her teens. She's a, a young girl, and she's hit with this incredible news and responsibility that she's about to give birth to and raise the son of God. The son of God who's going to occupy the throne of David forever and ever. I mean, we sweated as parents just thinking, how am I going to get my kids to school? Are these kids going to survive under my care? And yet Mary is dealing with a lofty trajectory for her child. He's going to be reigning and ruling over the entire human race. That is pretty significant. That's a pretty high responsibility for Mary. Think about the fear that was most likely gripping these two, Mary and Joseph, as they make their way to, to Bethlehem for the census. They have to leave their home in Nazareth, and they've got to travel now to Bethlehem under some very difficult conditions. Not only is Mary pregnant, not the best time to travel, you know, without a nice car and a nice comfortable seat, difficult travel, but then she's also got to deal with the potential hazards of, uh, of people coming and, and robbing them or attacking them on the way. Things, you see, are not aligning themselves in a very hopeful situation. In fact, it's looking very dangerous, absent of hope, cause for fear, cause for some anxiety. This is the situation that Mary and Joseph are dealing with. Then we also see the announcement given to the shepherds by the angels. And they too were struck with fear at what they saw and heard. We read in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 12. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly, what? Afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. So to Joseph, to Mary, to the shepherds, that, that phrase is spoken to them all. 
do not be afraid. Or as we often will read in scripture, those two words, fear not. We're reminded of that time and time again. Those are great words to hear. But you see, this goes much deeper than just dealing with the the present context surrounding the birth of Jesus. This was something that had begun to plague humanity from the very beginning. Fear has been stalking people since the very beginning. It's not the way it was supposed to be either. See, God created us to be walking in perfect union with him, to be enjoying sweet fellowship with God. But something happened that came in and separated us and broke that wonderful relationship with God. You know the answer, it's sin. Sin came and marred everything. It caused those that were once walking with God to suddenly fear God. In fact, the first evidence of the fall was fear. Look at what we read in Genesis 3. Verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That'd be amazing. It's being in the garden and just there's this God out there. They hear, oh, God's just out for a walk. Let's go join him. Let's go have a nice walk with the Lord. But in this situation, Adam and his wife, it says, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, hey, Adam, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. See, what Adam once enjoyed, being in a perfect union and fellowship with God, suddenly now, he's hiding himself. They ate of the fruit that they were to stay away from, and as a result, what happened? They were exposed. They knew something has changed now. They saw it physically, but they also saw something change spiritually. They knew that they were now unable to approach God as they once had, and so what do they do? They hide themselves. They knew that they weren't right to be before God. They previously enjoyed the wonderful presence of God, but now they're hiding in fear. And you see, this kind of thing has continued on, not just with Adam and Eve, but it's continued on throughout the human race and throughout history. We see it with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where we read in verse 7, and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it's going to happen when the Egyptians see you that they're going to say, oh, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Abraham was fearful going into Egypt at what might happen to his life because now relationships, not just with God, but with one another, have become become infected or impacted by sin. It's brought fear. And that fear was evident in in Abraham's son, Isaac, where we see that the nut doesn't fall far from the tree because Isaac repeats much the same thing in Genesis 26, 7. And the men in the place asked about his wife, and he said, she's my sister, for he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah because she is beautiful to behold. Jacob experienced this same fear with his brother Esau. Genesis 32, verse 6. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. So Jacob was what? Greatly afraid and distressed. He's greatly afraid. 
a sad condition as a result of sin. And this just continues on to propel throughout generation to generation. We think about uh, the nation of Israel and God calling them to enter into the land of Canaan, the promised land. Twelve spies go in, ten of them come back saying, oh man, this is not going to go well for us. There's giants in the land. This is going to be difficult. They were afraid. And they failed to walk in obedience to what God ultimately had to them. And they were kept out that generation, was unable to go into the land that God wanted to bless them with and give them peace and give them safety ultimately. And they perished. We see this continue on even in the time of Jesus' ministry where people were often reminded and they no longer had to be afraid. There were people dealing with so many things, dealing with sicknesses and, and blindness and, and, and other failures of relationships to where fear was there. We see with the disciples even, how often they got afraid. We read in John chapter 6 as they're out on the sea and a great storm comes up. It says when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat and they were afraid, but he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. You see, I'm building a case here to show that throughout history, this result of sin has led to our being distant from God. It's led to broken relationships. It's led to people being in distress and afraid of God rather than being in peace with God. People have been in fear wondering if their situation will ever change or if hope is ever going to shine through this time of year. Christmas is a wonderful time for many, but for some, it is a difficult, hard time as they look at their circumstances and situations and they're reminded, again, just at some difficulty that they might be in. And yet, it's at the birth of Jesus that we see there's to be this end of fear. An end of fear because of Jesus Christ. See, the common thread that we saw in these accounts that I read earlier surrounding the, the, the birth of Jesus, we see the command in those messages given to those individuals to do not be afraid. See, Jesus coming into the world restores what was lost initially. What was that? Well, again, sin marred our relationship with God. It brought separation in our relationship with God. When the first man sinned, it brought catastrophic damage and repercussions to the human race. Suddenly, we were no longer at peace with God, no longer comfortable coming to God, approaching him as we once did. But with the angelic announcements being given at the birth of Jesus, we see that there's reason to rejoice. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We see that in Mary's response where suddenly, where there was fear, there's now rejoicing. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 says, and, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed now forever. We see this attitude of now cause to rejoice in the announcement that was given to the shepherds. We saw earlier in Luke 2, verse 10, how there, this was good tidings of great joy. This is to be news that was caused to cause people to rejoice greatly now in the turn of events, in this end of fear that was being brought to the world. And as the scene continues with the angels and the shepherds, we read in Luke 2, verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. This news was to be news of peace, where there was once fear and uncertainty. Now people were told to lose that fear and receive this newfound peace that comes through a son being born. See, Jesus came into this world to do for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. He came in and clothed himself in humanity for a purpose. Because we were unable to reach God and approach God on our own, God came down to us in Jesus Christ. And he clothed himself in humanity. Why? Well, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Death had to occur to pay the penalty for our sins. But our death wouldn't have amounted to, to much. It took a sinless, perfect sacrifice. That's why Jesus came and clothed himself in humanity. So he could go to the cross on our behalf and pay the penalty for our sin, yours and mine. We were all guilty. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us were guilty. And God sent his son, a perfect sinless son, to pay that penalty for us, to bring us back into reconciliation, bring us back into peace with the Father. He was fully man, but yet Jesus was fully God. It was only he that could pay that price for our sin. He died and he rose again as the Son of God, securing life for us all now. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. You see, there are a lot of people you can talk to today that are believing in different things. Many religions out there, and a lot of people love to say, oh, I believe that all religions, you know, eventually lead to God. They will all eventually lead to God, but there's only one way that gives you access into heaven and eternity with God. And it's through Jesus Christ. You see, when you talk to those people and you say, oh, well, here's what I believe. And when you ask them and quiz them a little bit, well, how do you know when you die that this is what's going to happen? You know, nobody that follows another religion has any assurance. Every one of them will say, well, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping this is what's going to happen, but I'm just going to have to wait and see. And sadly, I can talk to a lot of professing Christians, and when they're quizzed on, well, when you die, where are you going to go? They might say heaven, but when you ask them, why are you going to heaven? I very rarely, people on the street at least, not here, people on the street can give me a solid answer of assurance. 
In fact, many people will say, well, you know, I, I, that's, a, oh, that's a good question. Why am I going to heaven? Well, I, I try to, and they start to sweat, they start to squirm. Well, I try to be a good person. I try to live a good life. I try to do good things. And they're putting their hope in themselves. And they're failing to see why Jesus came. If you can get to heaven because of what you do, then why did Jesus have to come? He gave up everything to do for you what you could not do. He gave up everything so you could gain everything in him. One of the most sweetest verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, there's no peace to be found if you think you're going to heaven based on your righteousness because you will never know, have I done enough? And there's sadly a lot of Christians, professing Christians that are still putting their hope in their righteousness, and there's no peace. There's no assurance. Jesus came to provide the ultimate assurance for you. It's found in repenting and turning from your sin and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 19 and 21, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. Listen, that was the condition all of us were in. We were alienated and enemies of God. We were separated, unable to restore that gap. But that's why Jesus came. To bring an end to fear, to bring in peace to reconcile us to the Father. This is good tidings of great joy. And I pray today that you're not having a hope in something that doesn't provide hope, but that your hope is placed in Jesus, where you're no longer fearful, you're no longer worried about what's gonna come. You know exactly what's gonna come. That's Jesus Christ who's forgiven us of sin and gifted us with eternal life. I pray today you do not leave here without having that concrete, absolute assurance of your salvation. If you were to die today and you don't know exactly what that outcome is gonna be, you need to come and talk to me because I can change in a heartbeat. You can know that you know that you know that when you die, you're going to heaven. And you can know that you know that when you stop relying on other means or yourself and your confidence and trust and faith is in Jesus who has come to bring an end to fear and worry and bring us into peace with God. That's not just a hope. That's a thrill of hope that we have for we know all that he's done for us and all that he has for us. So rejoice in him today. Good tidings of great joy. May you know where you stand with God today. Put your trust in his son who came to this world as one of us to do the work for us, to save us and bring us back into a right standing with God. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the good news, Lord, that brings us great joy. Lord, throughout history, there's been many that have lived with a fear and worry, uncertainty, but now through you, Jesus, that's all erased. 
And we can walk in the blessed peace of God now today. That brings that thrill of hope and assurance. God, that there's nothing to fear any longer because we're in you. God, you've supplied eternal life for us. So we're grateful. We thank you, Lord. I pray that every person here today would know concretely, Lord, where they stand with you and that they would have that assurance of salvation. So we pray this now in your name, Jesus.